This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, Kool-Aids. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. In today's episode, Jamie Kemble joins me, who is a freelance journalist here in Spain who writes for Football España. We talk about FC Barcelona's second half of the season, as well as his thoughts on La Liga as a whole. Before we get into that interview, are you going to be in Barcelona this weekend? Because I am. I'm going to be in Barcelona after one year, and it's going to be amazing. We're going to the Villarreal match on Sunday night. More importantly, we're going to go to Canessa Beer Bar on Saturday night to cheer on the FCB Femini as they go for the triplete uh, against Olympique Lyon in the Champions League final. So if you're in Barcelona, join us. The game starts at 7. We're going to be at the bar starting at 6. Hope to see you there. The other thing, our Patreon community is amazing. We are football nerds through and through. This past weekend, as you know, all these rumors were coming out with Lewandowski and, I mean, Marcos Alonso, pick your player. We decided to create a spreadsheet, and we nerded out. I mean, we nerded out. I have to give thanks to Mustafa, who's one of the patrons who's helping me with this. You know, we we did uh, two tabs, basically, players in, players out, and color-coordinated it and put together this list, and it's awesome. You know, we have the age, the statistics, transfer fees, and so forth. And, I mean, this is one of the things I love about this podcast. Fellow football nerds like me putting these things together over the weekend when Barcelona has one of the worst performances in the year in the south of Madrid in Hitafe with a 0-0 tie. So these are the things that we do in our Patreon community. If you are a fellow football nerd, you will love our Patreon community. We have scouting reports, scouting report videos for potential players. Our WhatsApp group is a lot of fun. And obviously we do things like this uh, once in a while where we nerd out with statistics and football. So if you're a fellow football nerd, join our Patreon community. After the break, Jamie and I discuss FC Barcelona's second half of the season and his thoughts on La Liga. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Brought you here to Spain. What was uh, the, the pull factor for you? Um, I just love Spain. Lots of holidays as a kid and, and things like that. Um, Britain's obviously not particularly warm at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I just love the warmth. I love the weather. I love the, the kind of approach to life in Spain. So relaxed and... Um, yeah, I love the language, pretty much everything about it, to be fair, the beach, and just, yeah, I just love love Spain. It was always something that was on the cards, so when, when the opportunity came, it was a case of jumping on the plane and, and get it done, so, yeah. Yeah, in Madrid, uh, today's a holiday, so I was able to go to a terrace, have some vermouth before we recorded, so, again, this is, like, one of the pull factors for me here. It's just the holidays that we have here, and obviously the sun, uh, it's, it's, it's epic, for sure. Yeah. So... You're writing freelance, uh, mainly about Villarreal, is that correct? Yeah, well, mainly it's not kind of full, my full-time job. I cover um, Spanish football for Football Espana. I do um, some freelance stuff for JPA Media, which is English football. Mm-hmm. So a real mix between a manager of Villarreal fan website and Villarreal USA. So that allows me to kind of concentrate on Villarreal a little bit because uh, it's my team, the team I cover. Um, and obviously watch as well. So, yeah, a real mix, really, of English football, Spanish football and yeah, proper freelance life, I guess. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And what was the feeling after Villarreal's uh, Champions League run? I mean, where was it overachieving or was it just uh, they were the right team just knocking off Juventus and Bayern before and just kind of ran out of gas to a more talented Liverpool team? I think uh, in general, overachieve, overachieving really. It's not a team that had any kind of right to be in the semifinals of the, the Champions League. Um, obviously, the brilliant Europa League run last season, um, but yeah, they don't have no right to beat Juventus, and certainly not Bayern Munich, and then <laughs> definitely not Liverpool. So, to be fair, they give Liverpool uh, a real scare, obviously, in the second leg, and that's as as good as you can ask for. I think against the almost kind of mechanic and robotic Liverpool team that they are. I mean, they're just a class above everyone at the moment, apart from Man City, of course. And um, it'd be an interesting final, I think, uh, against Real Madrid, but. Yeah, certainly from Villarreal's point of view, it was, it was just a brilliant run, um, and despite the way it ended, and they, they can be real proud of, of what they managed, especially the size of the club and obviously the some of the major clubs that they, they surpassed, really, in, in getting to that stage. Yeah, I would agree. I, I would agree. I mean, making a Champions run, run like that is, is, you know, you need a little luck, but also, you know, the tactics that Unai employed and just the way you, you know, especially against Bayern getting just two shots, two goals and advancing is, is one of those crazy stats. I think that that will go down in champions league history. Kind of <laughs> when we look back, you know, 10 years from now, it's kind of like, what, how did, how did I do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on is because, you know, like I told you before, you know, obviously I'm in my Barca bubble, always trying to consume news and, you know, trying to, you know, always be on top of what's going on with FC Barcelona. So I kind of wanted to get an outsider's point of view about, you know, Barca second half season, more specifically after the Classico, you know, what has kind of been your viewpoint uh, of Barca's performance? Do you think it was, you know, as soon as they lost to Frankfurt in the Champions League, it was kind of, you know, just get us to vacation and not get injury? Or do you think there is something to 
maybe Chavi's coaching and maybe losing focus with this team? Yeah, it's a difficult one to put your finger on, isn't it? At this time of season, you kind of you have those other factors. I mean, if it, if it happens in kind of November, you can quickly say, you know, it's, it's maybe it's a coaching thing, maybe it's a mentality thing. Um, but at this time of year, it's difficult, isn't it, to to say exactly because we know that players, you know, sometimes have a habit of downing tools once once you've got the kind of Champions League players. I know that wasn't official until relatively recently, but you pretty much knew that it was heading that way. Um, and maybe with Barcelona, there's a factor of we've already done the hard part because, you know, when you looked at the table earlier in the season, it was like they really are going to miss out on the top four. Once they turned that around and got a top four spot, the big achievement was almost met, wasn't it? And uh, obviously, it was a shame that the Europa League went. Perhaps that was the, other, the only other motivation left, really, was the Europa League. And once that went, it was um, went a little bit downhill, hasn't been completely, yeah. of course. But, um, yeah, I think there's some things that the Xavi disappointed at, especially with... Um, with the way he is, you know, he's obviously so so almost almost one of these obsessed new managers that we see new coaches and kind of the, like the Mikel Arteta's and Pep Guardiola's. They're all kind of so obsessed with their work. You know, I'm sure he'd be very disappointed with how his team kind of tailed off lately. You know, the last uh, yesterday was I think it was the first clean sheet in six games, wasn't it? I think it was five five games without a clean sheet, and I think that that's that that kind of thing is what will disappoint him most. I think. Um, because he'll have wanted to perfect things going into next season. You don't want to start next season still figuring things out. And when you have an opportunity, when Champions League football is kind of wrapped up, I think you have an opportunity to to use the rest of the games to to figure things out, to twine out those little details that are not going well. And certainly, the defensive side of things is that is one of those big details for Barcelona at the moment. Um, it's been kind of the running theme behind the dips in form along the season. And, yeah, of course, new signings are needed to fix that. I think uh, certainly Nelly Garcia's case, but um, yeah, I just think that that's that what disappoint Xavi most is that he couldn't iron out more of those things before next season because now he's going to have to do it over the summer and and they can't really start next season with a running start. I think again, he'll have to kind of figure things out on the fly in the first couple of months, and when he when he's looking for more of a title race, that that could be costly in, in the long run. I think that's a great point. And this is one of the things that I we talk with our Patreon community about this idea of style versus winning, you know, especially in a one-off like Champions League. And I just find it interesting, like you brought up Arteta, which is a great example of like these managers who are completely married to their system and style at all costs, right? And one of the things I was looking at in the last couple matches is I wanted to see a little bit of diversity of attack from Barcelona and not just the width that they're always doing with the 4-3-3. And that is one of the things that, I wouldn't say concerns me, but just one of the things when I look at coaching now is just making these little tweaks. You know, I never see the forwards cross running to get into space as often. They look slow. And these last couple of matches, especially in the Hitafe match, uh, I was doing laundry, you know, watching the match. You know? I mean, that's the kind of things that are going on, right? And so I think you brought up a good point. And that's what I'm always concerned about because, you know, as Barca fans, we're always looking at not only comparing ourselves to Real Madrid with Champions Leagues, but also the beautiful style that we want to play. And I just don't know how to balance that because, as we saw against Frankfurt, the style didn't win us home and away, and essentially got knocked out. And then essentially these last matches, like the goal output just isn't what it was before the Classicos. The Classicos kind of like that line of delineation before and after for the second half of the season. So what are are your thoughts about, you know, coaches that, you know, will die by this style and not make these minor tweaks for victories, especially obviously in Champions League? It's an interesting point. Um, I think we see kind of, 
seen us both ways with, with good and nice looking football as well as some ugly football. You know, we see with sort of Jose Mourinho and um well in a sense Unai Emery as well, in a sense, you know, he's has, has that kind of ugly style at times that people don't like and, and will refuse to change it, stick to the plan and L plan and all that kind of thing. Um so yeah, it's in, it's an interesting one. I think when you're a team who's looking to win titles, I think you have to adapt and um, in Barca's case, that's something that Xavi's going to have to get better at. And I think we forget that he is a young coach and he's going to have to figure these things out. Um, and he'll probably have to be forced into these things, um, especially when it's part of perhaps not this season because he's got time. He's got time to turn things around, has turned things around, has already won those kind of points. Um, but when you're expected to win titles, which which is will be the case next season, of course, um, I think then when when there's titles on the line rather than just points to you know to qualify, I think that's when he'd be forced into changing things and he's going to have to. Um, and you're right at the moment, this is so much about width. Um, and even when even when he cha- even the plan B right is is to bring Dion on and put yeah. more crosses into the box. And yeah, of course you've got a big man to head of those home rather than someone who's a little bit small like Aubameyang who's looking for balls on the floor. Even the plan B is width and getting the ball into the box, and you know it's going to have to. He's going to have to adapt to these things, um, and perhaps he'll learn to do so as, as a younger manager. But like you said, these younger managers like Arteta, at the moment they're kind of almost trying to they're trying to keep their job by have, by keeping the style. And that's a risk because obviously if it doesn't work out, you end up losing your job. But I think Arteta, for example, has kept his job and and got to this point because because he's been loyal to his style. You know, it's like. He's got a vision, as they say, you know, because he hasn't changed and it's gone well. And so, if it if it doesn't change and it goes badly, of course, you end up you end up looking for a job. But that's the risk they take, I think. And, and having this vision, especially for Spanish coaches, is kind of an attractive prospect for fans. They, they kind of they find something to believe in. Um, and Xavi's got that. I don't want to take any credit from it. You know, I don't want yeah. to take anything away from him. Uh, I think he's the right man for the job now. Um, but he. But he does have to develop as a coach, and he is going to have to find that plan B. And perhaps signings and having a greater depth in his squad, perhaps signing a different style of player all the summer, perhaps that will allow him to do so. And perhaps we need to give him a summer window to to give him a fair judgment on on that kind of thing. Yeah, and again, like I, you know, one of the reasons I got attracted to Barcelona was the style of play. So I, I'm not saying abandon that, right? But you know, we were just talking earlier about uh, our common love for the NFL, and I think one of the cool things about the NFL is just the adjustments that happen during the game, right? During the during the game by both coaches and both teams and so forth. These minor adjustments that may give you three points or seven points, and that's what I'm kind of looking at in modern football now where you can still have the style but like when it's an elimination game and you really need to get those points and just advance just maybe tweaking it and i think ultimately that's why real madrid uh ultimately advanced because they're able to just to make those little minor tweaks throw junk go for it and get it because they are good players maybe they don't play the beautiful style that i like to watch but again man city for example i mean how many crosses they put in those last injury time four minutes like five good crosses and when you have, you know, above average players, they're going to be able to do something with it. So that's kind of my contention because, you know, with Champions League, that's ultimately what I think, you know, especially in Europe, you're kind of measured of how successful you are regardless of La Liga. And so I don't know. These are the things that I'm always consciously looking at because, again, you know, if we look at Pep's record, for example, in Champions League since leaving Barcelona, he still hasn't won. And I think that is something to it where – you know, you love the style, you know, but you still 
you just got to win ugly sometimes, you know, especially in Champions League, and that's the kind of thing. And I think Unai has a great ability of doing that with Villarreal and what he did in Sevilla in the Europa Leagues before. It was just play dirty, survive in advance, play the one-off, and see what happens. Yeah, I think so. And like you said, with um, with Real Madrid, there it was almost when it, when it got to that that late stage, it was it was you know the kind of humility of Carl Ancelotti to say. Well, what what I've said isn't working. So, your top class players go figure it out, you know. And that sometimes just takes that, that kind of on the fly working, like you mentioned, to to figure these kind of situations out. You know, sometimes the other man has just got your research down to an absolute T, and that's something yeah. coaches like Unai Emery can master. And it just takes something different. It takes an individual to to come up with an idea, to come up with a piece of play. Uh, and that's something Raymond is so great at because they can trust these veterans to to get the job done. Um, like like Unai Emery as well, like you said, you know, it's been so good at these knockout ties and uh, and his ability to play dirty and uh, does get him through games. But then he'll you know pull surprises. You look at the VRR game against Bayern and certainly first leg, you thought they're going to play dirty and just defend. They end up just attacking and dominating Bayern. And you know, it's just it's just he's kind of it's just having that 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 feel for when you need to do something different. Um, and sometimes that can be in the first leg. It doesn't have to be in the last five minutes yeah. of the second leg. You know. Um, but it's having that feeling and that probably comes with coaching experience I would say I mean I just always laugh because Carvajal in that match against Man City didn't do anything and then puts in this immaculate cross you know and it's just like <laughs> and those are the things that just you know they line up for you when you actually dogfight you know what I'm saying and, yeah. I, and I think that is one of the issues with Barcelona in Champions League you know obviously in La Liga I feel like our style is always going to win between eight to seven matches in a 10-match span just because the style, the talent, you know, over a long period of time. But again, I just feel one of the things that Barcelona is always missing is that fight, that dog fight to, to win nasty when sometimes you just have to win nasty. Because if I look down the roster, I mean, I feel like we're just completely soft. I, I kind of want to transition over to, obviously, we're ending the season, and I don't know how you feel. How do you feel about... Uh, rumor central coming up here, obviously in Spain, with all the, <laughs> the the unreliable rumors that come out, especially when you know, like we, when we talk about the NFL, like in the NFL free agent, it's like viable sourcing because yeah. these are reporters that are close to the team, and so. But here in Spain, it's just a free for all. Yeah, it's just it's that time, that time of year, and we just get used to it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, you're at that stage now, aren't you? You just kind of, you know, really pay attention. You talk about them because it's news, but deep down you're just like, yeah, just tell me what happens and I'll take real notice, you know. And yeah, like you say, the NFL is just so differently. I mean, we have, I guess Spain's a little bit more like that than, than England is because you have, you know, the news, certain newspapers are so much closer to certain clubs, you know. You don't sort of have that divide in England. Um, Whereas in, in in Spain we can say which newspapers sure. have viable sources in each club, you know, it's a little bit different in that regard. But still, you have so many silly rumors, and and yeah, I guess it's some of the fun, isn't it? It, it keeps yeah, yeah. taking over over the summer, keeps us busy. Uh, of course, our job would be a little bit boring over the summer, perhaps without them. But yeah, no, I'm sure you want to talk about some of the Barcelona ones. Uh, yeah, and and as I always say, you know, one of the things before I moved here to Spain is I didn't realize how much a telenovela that FC Barcelona was. Like, I just had no idea of being from the States and stuff. I just, you know, assumed uh, sports-wise, like, okay, you know, where there's going to be talk about the pre-match, the match, and after the match. I just didn't know there was always going to be so much drama around FC Barcelona because they are definitely one of the most drama-filled teams. And again, this past week, 
this latest bombshell of Frankie de Jong leaving to Manchester United. I can see it both ways. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, nothing surprises me anymore in pro- professional sports, but this was definitely a surprise because, you know, when we are talking with other Barca fans and stuff, we had Frankie de Jong penned in as a midfielder next year. And all of a sudden, this bombshell from Jared Romero comes out last week that Manchester United are going to buy him outright for between 70, 80 million euros. Wow, what a what a what a bombshell! Do you think there is credence to it? What is your gut feeling telling you? Do you think Frankie De Jong leaves Barcelona this summer? Well, I guess it's the obvious obvious link, isn't it, with with Ten Hag? You know, I think that that's what people are biting at. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of almost want to fire this back to you because I, I obviously I'm not watching Barcelona quite as much as you in terms mm-hmm. of you know not kind of exactly focus on one club. But my feeling is that Frankie De Jong hasn't underachieved as such as but Barca. I don't think he just certainly hasn't overachieved either. Um but he's a you know pretty young player and hasn't really had the opportunity to play in in the kind of best midfields of the last kind of so many years at Barca. Um I think given the opportunity he'd probably do a rather solid job. He's kind of set a seven at most weeks I would say. Just a you know a solid performance. Perhaps you want more from midfielders, I don't know, you know you tell me, but I just wanted to kind of fire that back to you as a from a more Barca-specific point of view, you know, what, what, what's the kind of feeling amongst Barca fans? Eh? Fine, <laughs> you know, it's just kind yeah, of yeah, fine, that's, that's, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's and that's one of the hardest things to say because when he came in, you know, and, you know, obviously from the performance of Ajax against Real Madrid, like that's what I was thinking. Frankie De Jong was going to mm-hmm. come in, and there's only been a handful of moments like that. I think he has it in him, but obviously, you know. We keep saying, especially, you know, among Barca fans, you know, it's like he needs time and he needs this. And it's already going to be, you know, fourth, five, fifth season already now in Barcelona. So that's kind of the things you look at. Obviously, when I look at this from a money perspective, it tells me that Barcelona are in way worse financial shape than we actually know. Because if this is a move that they are willing to do, because I feel like he's one of the only players that has real value that we can actually make money, like a severe profit on him. But again, I I don't know. I'm I'm really kind of mixed on this because I keep trying to think of the Ajax Frankie de Jong and I haven't seen that at not consistent enough in Barcelona. And there's been three coaches, you know, and we were hoping that Xavi was going to be able to string that under him. But I'm kind of, you know, the more days pass by, I'm kind of I kind of want the money. (laughs) So I don't I especially you know, for me right now, the the sexy transfer right now is a left back and right back. Like that's what I want, right? And if that money is going to help to get a quality left back and right back, I think that is going to lead to more victories and better performances against elite teams than having Frankie De Jong on the team. I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think so. That, I think the big question is, like you say, you know, do you want a midfielder? He gives you sevens every week, but do you want a midfielder who gives you eights and nines? And uh, it's the gamble, isn't it? Because you might might not find someone who even gives you sevens. That's yeah. that, that easy to find, is it? How many failed transfers does it take? I, I think, I think, I think, really, it's just that we, in the last fifteen years, we've been so spoiled in midfield, right? And so there's this yeah. level of what we expect, exactly, right? And so from the outside looking in, maybe especially like in your point of view, you know, you see Frankie Young and you're like, okay, that guy is consistent. Like you said, a seven, a seven every week is awesome from a professional footballer. Don't get me wrong, but I just, I'm just so, I don't know, I'm just jaded with 
what he does or doesn't do for Barcelona. I thought he was going to be more of the engine to drive the attack straightforward. He hardly does that. He's always kind of slowing down. And again, I don't know if the coaching staff is telling him to pull back to make sure that there's more options passing to hold possession rather than just going for the counters like he did in Ajax. Yeah, and I guess, you know, you look at kind of, if you're looking at the best, you know, that's where you're trying to be. You look at Man City and the kind of midfield options they have, you know, Phil Foden or Kevin De Bruyne. I guess yeah. if you want to be that higher level, you have got to have midfielders to give you more, I guess. But you mentioned the full-back state. Do you feel that kind of centre-back? Do you feel that kind of need to improve there? I mean, we need a lot. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I, like we were, we were joking around. It's like if I ask you, Jamie, I'm like, hey, I need you to make me a Michelin star meal <laughs> by this weekend. But I'm not going to tell you the budget. You can pick the ingredients, you know, go for it. Right. And that's, you know, again, not to compare this again with the NFL. But one of the things I love about the NFL is that, that we understand what the salary cap is, mm-hmm. what the budgets are. And with world football, European football, especially, it's like we're all guesstimating what they can and can't do, especially like especially with the Lewandowski rumor coming out. Like, I don't know what we need or what we can spend. And, you know, in our Patreon community, we're football nerds. And we came together and created a spreadsheet of all the transfers and possible. And it's crazy because all the transfer fullbacks that, Mar- that Barcelona are looking at, the majority of them are over 30. And I'm just like, what are we like the way station for MLS now? Like, what's what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I mean, yeah. I just reason I ask, you know, I, don't, I, just, I know that I know you have kind of Joe PK and... Rob yeah. Rambo is certainly a good player, but you know, on based on based on PK's age, you know, if you're going to be left with Eric Garcia for even more, Ugh. you know, 15 games a season, you're not going to win anything. From for me, I just don't, I just don't yeah. trust the player. I, just don't. I know, me neither. I'm in the same boat. And one of the the things I would like to see from Eric Garcia is maybe moving him to midfield, where he's not the yeah. last line of defense, and maybe he has more flexibility. But like, I I would say, you know, as Barca fans, we are definitely spoiled. Like, don't don't get me wrong. We are we are trying to compete at this highest level. And I think it's really hard to look at next year and not think about the future as three or four years, right? Because everyone wants moves now to get better for next season. But also we have to look at like you said, Pedri, Ansu, Arahu are the the diamonds of this team. And we have to make a team around that going forward but that's also hard because obviously Kool-Aid's want titles and performances now yeah yeah that's, that's the difficult thing about football eh? but it's yeah, just, yeah. that's just that's just the, the the ultimate dilemma it's always great to build for the future but it's so hard because you don't get the patience and exactly you factor in how long a manager feels or a coach feels he's got as well you know what what coach in, in the modern day is going to take the risk of building for three years time because he's probably not going to be there you know and that that I, I wouldn't take that risk personally either, so I can't. Yeah, can't yeah, but the, I mean, the one thing is that Xavi does have that time because of obviously should, the financial should, situation, yeah. right? Because I mean, they're still paying Kiki Setien's salary, so you know these are, <laughs> these are the the financial woes. I want to talk to you about La Liga a little bit more, like in resumen here. Um, was Sevilla the biggest disappointment for you uh, after January? Yeah, I think so. I thought they were they were just dropped off massively. Yeah. Um, so disappointing and. You know, I'm a really big fan of Julian Lopetegui, I have to say. Um, so t- so tell me why. I'm curious because I'm not. So I'm, I'm, I always love it when I meet people who like Lopetegui. I, yeah. I, I don't like him because what he did to the Spanish national team during the World Cup, it really jaded me. But tell me kind of your thoughts on him, why you think he's a good coach and why you like him because I'm, I'm always curious. Yeah, no, I, yeah, that, that, that Spain thing was <laughs> oh, just so badly timed. Um, yeah, it was a sickening situation. I just, I just generally like his approach, you know, and I think the certainly the work he did last year as well at Sevilla, you know, best points total in the history, and 
I just felt, given his kind of coaching ability, that from there it could it could only go up. You know, it could only at least they could only challenge and the squad that they had, the squad they built, and there's so much optimism, like you said, until January. Um, and don't get me wrong, Lobtegi's not you know that kind of elite branch of coaches, but given what he achieved last year, and you know, I just thought that this was this was his moment, you know, just to take them to that next level and. Man, how bad how poor they've been in the second half of the season. It's been so disappointing. And I mean, I, I would have to throw Levante into that as well, my biggest disappointment, because I think they've got a very decent squad and the way they've gone down is just uh, it's just so many question marks uh, at the other end of the table. Yeah, I mean, they only had four victories uh, for the second half of the season, which is incredible. And I thought they were going to compete better or stronger with Real Madrid to give them a little competition there and hopefully pull them down a little bit so that Barca can climb up and maybe get into that race. But... But yeah, and the other thing too is like I don't know if his style is just good for two years and that's it. Because especially like this year, they had so many injuries. And when you look at that many injuries, I don't know if you blame the physio team. I mean, I feel like every game a player got hurt and then going into the next game they were missing five to six players. And I just felt like that they could not overcome that because obviously Sevilla is not the deepest, deepest uh, team going through the gauntlet of Europa League and going through the other things that they were going through. Yeah, that, that is tricky as well. That's certainly something like Villarreal have struggled with as well this season, you know, losing key players all the time. Um, maybe that's a consequence of the last kind of and crazy last year. Yeah, the crazy yeah. last year we've had, you know, it's kind of, if it's a case of Villarreal, we kind of look at physios and you think, well, you know, you can't be able to keep players fit all season. But, you know, is it a question of, you look at Gerard Moreno, for example, obviously the biggest one, you know, he's played last season was kind of rushed to an end, wasn't it, with squeezing all these games. And then he goes to the Euros, they reach the semi-final, they come back playing Champions League football, played Europa League football last season. You know, these players are playing just a crazy amount of football. Um, and then you, know, you come in and you work under a demanding coach who is demanding style of football. You know, I can only imagine if, if Marcelino's at Sevilla, you know, with these players <laughs> will probably be, will be, be on strike yeah, at this yeah. point, you know, high-energy play. But, <laughs> I mean, with what they play, I mean, I guess... We'll have a better idea next season, I think. It has felt like a, a bizarre La Liga from moment one. Injuries have played a, a part in that, and perhaps that is because of the strange schedule we've had. I think we'll have a better idea next year that when we have a a full normal year, and then I just forgot about the World Cup, so probably not. Yeah, I was gonna. I was right about to go there. I was right about. I was gonna say, well, you know, they only have the World Cup in November, so it's okay. It's like that yeah, to me are. is absolutely insane that that's going to happen this year. I can first of all. My favorite sporting thing is World Cup in the summer. You take that away from me, you hurt me, you know? And especially like with Lopetegui, what he did to the Spanish national team during that World Cup, that's why it hurt me so much because I love the World Cup so much. But, I, Jamie, I can't believe, I cannot believe that they're going to be able to do this in November. Like, how does that even work, you know? Like, take this break between the season. I mean, you know how it is. These players play so hard, so many minutes for the World Cup. It's such a gauntlet of, of competitions and... and Oh my God, it's insane! I, I still can't get over that they're going to they're they're do that this summer, and that's the thing is like you know as we talk about modern coaching, you know when are these uh, these coaches going to infiltrate more rotation to preserve their players? Because you know we always have this idea of old 
football where players would just play, you know, 30 matches a season, you know, and that's just not impossible now to keep them fresh, especially at the highest level that's going on with the injuries and so forth. I'm curious to know, like, who's going to be the first manager really to really incorporate the maybe three matches in a row, rotate three matches in a row, rotate more. Because, again, the league, the minutes leader of the team this season is Busquets for Barcelona. Like that should not happen. That's that's insane to me. No, and it's it's an interesting point. Well, you wonder whether you, you know when you combine that factor with the money, you know, the money you have to spend to get a, a kind of a huge squad of players who are all good enough. Are we going to see, you know, a bigger squad of kind of less good players almost? You know, because we can't, not everyone's got money like Liverpool, Manchester City to build a squad of thirty odd players who are just all well, 90 percent of them are, could get into most teams in Europe. You know, so are we going to see more teams competing with? With talent spread out, you know, rather than rather than you kind of trying to build a team of you know so many good players, I, don't, I think it's impossible. Like you say, once you once you start getting those injuries, then you fall back onto a or back onto who, you know, and then you end up yeah. not competing. I don't know how that that's sustainable. And then you throw in this new Champions League and yeah. more games again. I, I just don't know how it's sustainable. I really don't. It's it's crazy because it's just like it comes full circle with coaching again, right? You say you just don't have patience to be able to play around with your lineup to go from weekend to weekend and to rotate players because of performance. But I almost kind of feel like if you are doing this pre, you know, using more rotational players, those players will have more confidence. So if an injury does happen, you can plug and play easier. But again, how do you incorporate that when every weekend is this pressure field of just getting the three points? Again, it's just it's this crazy cycle, you know, and. and yeah, it's it's insane. Like you said, I I would almost prefer getting uh, more players of depth, like you said, like lower tier players, and develop them and play you know player system and try to incorporate them. But I know that you know we're kind of like in this line right now where we're still trying to use uh, the stars of the game as many matches as possible until they basically break down. Right? I mean, we saw, I don't know if you saw the FA Cup this weekend, but like I just felt like a bunch of those players' injury is just from all the grind from the whole season. And Klopp does a good job of rotating those players and getting minutes in second halves and stuff, but even they're susceptible to injuries. I really hope that they're going to be injury-free going into the Champions League because I need them to beat Real Madrid. I do not want Real <laughs> Madrid getting the 14th. Like, that cannot happen. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, I think it could have, we kind of we've edged into pick a, pick a competition culture almost. Because look at Klopp. This is the first time he's won the FA Cup, you know, that... He's never go past the sixth round, I think it is, or fifth round. Yeah. I think it's the sixth. And, you know, that's because he's had to pick a competition every year, or at least, you know, pick two. And that, that's kind of, this is the first time, you know, in Klopp's reign, you know, what is it, 2000, I don't know what it was, 2015, something like that, mm-hmm. that he's been, that he's had managed to build up a squad good enough to compete on that this many fronts. You know, and he's had luck as well along the way with injuries, some bad luck, of course, with everyone, but more luck than most. And, you know, it's not often the stars line where you can compete on all fronts and, this is one year. As good as this Liverpool side is, it's one year. In what is it, seven years? They've been able to compete on all fronts, and that tells you a lot about how much you need to spend, how much patience you need with the manager. You know, and all those things to line up to be able to compete on all fronts. So I think uh, for as much as for as long as we're uh, making these schedules bigger, the more we're going to see teams picking a competition, and that you know, that's been only Emery's problem this season. They've been pretty horrible in La Liga. Picked a competition, risked everything, risked players in the Champions League for injury. You know, there's been a great season in the Champions League, but complete contrast in La Liga. Uh, you know, that's just been the story of most. That's the story of most clubs at the moment because they can't afford to to do it all. Yeah, and one of my like theory, one of my I don't know my propositions that I wanted Barcelona to do was use all the young players and, and reserve players for Copa del Rey. 
like all the time. It's like, this is your competition. Go as far as you can go. You're going to get playing time. None of the starters are going to play. And just give them that confidence going forward and give them something to fight for. And then the rest of the other players, you know, Champions League, La Liga, and hopefully, I mean, they've done that before, Barcelona. But again, the team is just not good enough where we need to use the starters because we were trying to get any trophy this season. So uh, really quick, last thing. um, Is this the worst Real Madrid team to win La Liga? Oh, fine. I don't say what do you think? No, there's so much talent still left on it, isn't it? As it hasn't quite reflected as much as it should have. Uh, they are getting older, but yeah, it's still, it says what I'll say that the answer is it says a lot about La Liga that they've still been so far ahead of the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I again, they had a fast start. I give Ancelotti a lot of credit. I mean, he does a great job of managing those players, those egos. Uh, I always just crack up uh, with Gareth Bale, obviously going golfing, doesn't go to the to the to the parade and so forth. But again, I again, like you said, that midfield is getting uh, long in the tooth a little bit, especially with Tony Cruz uh, not you know playing as many minutes. Obviously, but, I mean this is this is natural. This is something that just happened overnight. And yeah, I mean I just man, I just I can't, man Real Madrid. I just can't believe they're in the Champions <laughs> League final. Like I just can't. To me, it's like I live uh, very close to the Bernabeu. Like I live in Chambury, which is the neighborhood by here. And watching that Man City game, I, I, I just, I just can't believe it. Like I really can't believe how they got through because obviously with Man City scoring that goal by Mares and, and so forth, I just, I, and my whole neighborhood blew up essentially. You know, like with firecrackers and everything. And it just, just as a Kool Aid, it was just too just much. You know? <laughs> what they do right in the Champions League that's what I say it's like every team right like Liverpool Man City are like fighting and payroll to get to this uh, consistency of finals and all of a sudden Real Madrid just kind of like patchwork a team and they're another final that's why I think that's why it's obviously I know they're talented players I mean I'm, I'm not giving them as much credit as I want to but again I just I want Champions League I'm very jealous of Champions <laughs> League finals but anyway uh, anyway Jamie thanks for joining me uh, hope to talk soon have a good summer yeah and yourself it's a, it's a pleasure thank you Jamie for joining me and having that great conversation about Barcelona's second half of the season in La Liga if you want to follow Jamie his handles in the show notes give him a follow next episode is going to be Wednesday and until then Forza Barca <music> Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.